Satu. Hi, Bomer. Happy day. Yeah, happy day, happy day, happy day. You just got back from an interesting little holiday yourself. How do you feel? Excellent. Very recovered. And, uh, <laughs> ah, recovered using the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. I slept well. That's beautiful. So uh, in case you couldn't notice by our tone around the word recovered, we're going to be talking about recovery today. And the way we want to do this is look at specifically uh, recovery when it comes to things like movement, exercise, general stressor, stressor events. And to get started, let's set the framework here. Remember, stress comes in many different forms. Uh, it can come in the form of work. It can come in the form of relationships. It could come in the form of athletics and movement. Uh, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today comes in the latter uh, discussion, which is recovery from athletics and movement. So one of the episodes that we had early on in the podcast, and I was grateful that the guy even came on the show, was Marcus Philly. And one of the pieces of advice that I gleaned from Marcus was the, the training should be really driven by the recovery. And so if you're a person who doesn't sleep very much, who is stressed out, who is uh, constantly bombarding their sympathetic nervous system, there may be a different training mechanism that is right for you. But before we go into that. Let's talk a little bit of stories. Satu, I want to hear a little bit about your sort of, just recap for us your training regimen at the moment. Uh, yeah, thank you, Omar. At the moment, um, I'm doing five days a week. Um, it is CrossFit, but it's actually modified from the normal CrossFit. I'm not doing the uh, all-in giving 100% every day CrossFit classes, um, partly due to the fact that I've been injured. Um, with uh, two different injuries, ankle and arm. Now the ankle is fine, the arm is not. So I have to modify quite a lot, but also I've had the feeling that uh, there's something uh, that I want to improve in the way that I'm training. So uh, one thing that you just mentioned was that how you sometimes need to actually uh, have the recovery as a priority and and base your trainings on that. And that's what I'm currently doing with my coach as well, that we are not uh, doing too many heavy days in a row and really balancing it out. And I think it, it has worked really well for me. Awesome. So for you, the way you've arrived at your training number or the amounts of times that you've worked out or workout per week, hmm. it's more driven by the desire to recover from these injuries or something else? both for my uh, need and motivation and willingness to work out and to move on daily basis. So actually what I'm doing is, is five days of uh, really training and then one recovery session and then one full day off. And it is uh, dealt or split from uh, first three days on one recovery day, active recovery, and then two days on and then one day off. And it has worked really well for me. Uh, my body feels good with that balance. Um, I feel that I get enough recovery in, but I also do feel that the, the one day, which is Thursday for me, when I have the active recovery, that's also needed because I need to get myself moving. Otherwise, my body just gets stuck, mm -hmm. very stiff. 
Awesome. Greg Glassman would be proud of you, by the way, because when I was going through the the world's most expensive t-shirt class, <laughs> uh, which is for those listening here, the level one uh, instructor class for CrossFit, I, you know, one of the recommendations that they provide very clearly there is three days on, one day off. And so Mr. Glassman would be very proud. Yeah. But I guess that the difference is that the ones who go to the normal CrossFit classes, you don't really have the variety or the possibility to choose um, the intensity of the classes. And for me, it's very important that I won't do the high intensity uh, interval training every day. I don't do the wads every day. I do those couple of days a week. Usually it's Wednesday and Saturday that are my toughest training days. But if you're just going to the classes, I would say at least what happened with me early on when I started CrossFit was that I went 100% every day and that's really just broke my body. Yeah. And as a person who's done that as well, look, the reason why, and I've heard Rich Froning at least say this, if not Matt Fraser as well, the reason why they're able to go so hard for so long is because they usually train at 70 to 80% rather than 100 Yeah. Um, the 100 methodology is interesting from a powerlifting perspective because Bulgaria popularized sort of the, the 95% of max training all the time. And uh, I'm not sure that's wise for the average individual. Let's put wow. it that way. Wow. And I'm sure we're going to speak about the genes as well later on in this episode, but I don't think we are genetically uh, equal either. So some people need more recovery than others, and some can probably take more tougher training days than others. Absolutely. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how I plan my workouts because it kind of gets into this idea of using metrics um, to determine training frequency. Uh, so let's look at my goals. And my goals have shifted a little bit recently. I'm adding a little bit more endurance into my training and a little bit less powerlifting. And so on an overall weekly perspective, I do want to accomplish four to five long runs as well as two lifting sessions. Yes, that sounds like a lot. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to determine how many sessions you need per week. Um, but that is that training frequency is driven by specific goals, but those individual sessions differ in terms of stress on the body and how difficult it is. Mm. And one of the metrics that we've talked about a lot on this show uh, is heart rate variability. You can go to episodes with Jason Moore. We've also done an episode where we talked about our experiments with three-day HRV monitoring. It's been covered numerous, numerous times, and Jason's going to come back on the show. But every morning, I lay down and I check my HRV. I check it through my Aura Ring. I also check it through Elite HRV. And that helps me determine the stimulus for the day. Now, I'm not looking at my single day HRV. I'm looking at it in the context of trends. Uh, the exception of that is when I don't get good sleep. So if I get less than seven hours of sleep, I'm not only cranky, 
Um, but I also shouldn't be banging my sympathetic nervous system. No. So I wake up and I check my HRV and I observe it versus trends. And if the trend is going downward, then I'm looking for more of a parasympathetic stimulus that could come in the form of an active recovery like you do. Yeah. Uh, that can come in the form of a lighter run. That, I'm, that can come in the form of even a complete day off or more mm-hmm. focus on breathing. But HRV is just one of those metrics that I use to determine what type of workout I'm going to do during the day. The second one is sleep, and I've already mentioned it. If I get less than seven hours of sleep, it would be categorically stupid for me to go and do a max effort day in powerlifting. Mm. You're already stressed from a... and. I'm not one of those lucky lucky holders of a deck two gene that allows me to get less than six hours of sleep per day. What I need to see is over seven hours or ideally seven and a half hours or more of sleep, my blood sugar at some sort of normalized level, which for me is pretty low. And then that determines really where my workout's going to go. And based on that, I'll go out and crush it. Now that seems pretty elaborate, but if there's one metric that I use to determine my workouts, what do you think it is, Satu? Let's interrupt our regularly scheduled programming to talk a little bit about a product and company I'm in love with, and that is the V-Lite. My particular device is the NeuroAlpha, and let me tell you a little bit about my N of one benefits. Better sleep. Better focus and less anxiety when it comes to things like public speaking. And increased ability to really drop into flow. But you can check out their website, which is full of all kinds of scientific articles and research in this world of intranasal photobiomodulation. And if you want to check out a device, we have a little bit of a coupon code for you. You can use the coupon code SUPERHUMAN to get 10% off your purchase. That's V-Lite, V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com, and use the code SUPERHUMAN for 10% off. A common question that I find we get, um, whether it's from a CEO, an entrepreneur, an executive of any kind, is how often do I need to exercise? Should we talk a little bit about how to maybe figure that out, maybe through an analysis or two? Yeah, that sounds very interesting, also for me. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into... A couple of things, and we're going to do this in two ways. We're going to talk about some of the genetic components of recovery. And remember, the recovery equals the stimulus. And we're going to talk about uh, some things that you can actually do or monitor from blood testing and the ways that you may be even able to get those blood tests. So let's talk about some of the genetics of recovery. Yeah, I can share something from my own genetic profile. I think Please the, do. Uh, two of the genes that I've been looking at, when, or I've been looking at plenty of them, but the, the, the ones that we also discussed earlier with you, the TNFLA and CKMM, uh, are a couple of genes that you might want to look into when talking about recovery and the possible inflammation or the risk for um, increased inflammation in your body when doing sports. and. For me, these two, and um, unfortunately, some of the other ones as well, indicate that I have a a higher risk for inflammation, uh, prolonged inflammation, and also I need more time for recovery. Mm -hmm. And by learning that, 
I already knew that sort of beforehand, before I started looking into my own genetic data, I had the feeling that there's something that is different from others. I thought it's age. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it, it might be a combination of these age and, and genetics. But by knowing that, I'm still not going to say that, okay, fine, then I'm not going to exercise anymore. I just need to know that to be able to modify, um, adapt, and also to have recovery routines and supplementation that supports this. And I can still do the exercise that I love and I can still perform on a high level as long as I follow my, my routines that I've created for myself. Awesome. So I want to double click on a couple of the genes that you mentioned and keep in mind that we can look at pro-inflammatory cytokines until we're blue in the face. But the one that you mentioned, TNF-alpha, is a gene which codes for a pro-inflammatory cytokine. Think of this as the on-off switch in your body for signaling for things like inflammation. And we know through many genetic studies that if you have a certain variant of TNF-alpha, you can have an increased predisposition for inflammation. Now, the other gene that you mentioned is CKMM, and that has a lot to do with a biomarker called creatine kinase and or creatinine, uh, as some mm. people pronounce it. Again, these are only two markers, and there's probably there's numerous, numerous genetic components to recovery, but knowing this information is what is empowering. So you yourself, knowing that you have a TNF-alpha variant can increase your focus on recovery. I myself don't necessarily have that variant, but I do have the variant of CKMM. And I also then look to layer that on in terms of blood testing. So how can we use these genetic information or this genetic information to really look at blood testing then. So let's say we're building a picture right now as to, you know, how much you, the person listening or whomever this is, should train in a given week. And if the idea here is is to reduce inflammation and to not experience or not produce a level of inflammation that the body cannot handle, we can use this information to be a little bit proactive. So knowing that you have a TNF-alpha variant, what do you do? Well, you can look at quarterly or semi-annual blood tests and just check inflammation markers. And again, this is just sharing information, right? We're not medical doctors here. Uh, We're just sharing information based on our own experience. If you need medical advice, please go see your doctor. No one really wants you to get hurt doing anything like this. But quarterly blood tests, semi-annual blood tests, whatever they are, you can look at inflammation live and see where it is in your body. Things like high-sensitivity C-reactive protein. You can actually measure creatine kinase. You can measure things like TNF-alpha and see where they are in your body. Although high-sensitivity C-reactive protein tends to be a good one. Mm. Particularly for me, and this is why I, I do quite a lot of this is one of the reasons why I do quite a lot of blood donating. Serum ferritin tends to run very high and serum ferritin can correlate to higher levels of inflammation. Right. And so just by knowing this information and building yourself sort of the, the map, the assessment map, you're able to more proactively educate yourself as to how much you should be training. 
because there is a point of no return for me. And I have great recovery genes, but there Mm. is a point where I can push it a little too far. Mm. And that usually comes doing CrossFit at 100% (laughs) multiple times a week. Exactly. But should we talk about where we can get these blood tests? Because so many people listening right now may be interested in kind of hearing where. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're, yeah, the like, uh, varas, of course, depending on where you're located. Exactly. So I'm going to lay a little bit of a map here. So in Europe, um, and I'll, I'll speak to one that just covers broader Europe, and you can buy it over the counter. Nordic Labs is a decent vendor. Uh, they're very good at shipping to different countries. In the United States, uh, Wellness FX is a great vendor here in terms of being able to get uh, these different tests done. And you can get them all done also through Ulta Labs. So right. if you're yeah. interested in any of these, we'll link to all of this in the show notes. But we've now identified sort of markers to monitor to see if you're working out too much. Let's transition now into how we look at recovery, what we do. How do we enhance the recovery? What does your recovery look like, Satsu? Um, it all starts, it's both long-term and short-term recovery. But if, if we look at uh, what happens after I come back from the gym, um, I choose, uh, I take a shower and I choose based on the training that I just did, whether it is a cold shower or a hot shower. Because that also gives me, if I've done a high-intensity interval training, I've been sweating a lot. Um, I, I will take a cold shower to recover from that if I've been doing uh, strength work and I actually want to somehow keep that inflammation, which sounds negative, but in a way that my, my muscles will grow, I will actually go more towards a warm shower. I think um, you, Satsu, I think you just mentioned a good point. Inflammation is not necessarily a bad thing. What we yeah. were speaking about earlier, it was chronic inflammation. So okay. when inflammation goes up and doesn't come down. Yeah. Inflammation is a natural body response to things like diseases, sicknesses, but also exercise. Yeah, Sorry, I interrupted you. No, that was a very valid point. Glad you covered that. Um, so that is one thing. And then, of course, the supplementation side is another thing. And then there are other devices I use. So I can just tell you what I do quickly. Sure. And then uh, you, you feel free to share what you do. Um, I use devices like the red light the infrared, near red, um, also the infrared sauna uh, is a great place to be when you want to recover, um, just for the blood circulation and, and healing all that inflammation that is happening in your body. Um, I use the power dot or the tens for also sa- similar reasons to get the muscles um, activated um, and the blood circulating better and kick off the recovery process. Um, I also have. Um, Oh, you have the light over there. I can, I can see you're putting it on right now. That's good. Um, also, another cool device is the compression boots. The Air, your Air Relax is one of the brands. There are plenty of them out there. But that's something I also use when I've been doing heavy leg workouts, which been quite a lot lately because of my injuries on my arm. Um, so those are some of the devices I use. Then when it comes to the supplementation side, uh, my go-tos are definitely omegas, um, collagen protein, uh, curcumin, great for inflammation, and um, electrolytes. And for, for the electrolytes, I actually really 
um, a big fan nowadays of the, what's it called? It's actually Czech, the hypertonic. Um, do you know that one? Yeah. The, uh, There's a um, Quinton hypertonic, yeah. um, those funny glass bottles. And it has made a huge difference. I've tested it now for uh, maybe a month. Um, a huge difference for my recovery and also the, the way I feel during a hard workout session. I don't get that kind of, I used to get sometimes headaches and, and so on. I have a much better balance in the, in my body before and after. So I'm going to touch a little bit more on the why behind the buy rather than just listing rather than because Satsu's already listed out a very extensive and very good recovery protocol. Uh, what I want to talk a little bit about is more of the why some of the things that you mentioned, let's check through those. Uh, omegas. One of the reasons why I particularly use omegas, and again, I'm just sharing information as to why I do things. Uh, one of my overall goals is to keep a low and in chronic inflammation environment or no chronic inflammation environment. If you look at studies, keeping an omega-6-3 ratio of four to one or below is a good indicator of a low inflammatory environment. Mm. Now you can still have inflammation, but that's just one indicator. And so one of the reasons why I use omegas as well is to keep towards that low inflammation environment to help me recover. Um, curcumin, which you mentioned, uh, also comes in a slightly more intense or purified form called Mariva. And Mariva is a patented compound that is a multiple times more effective than curcumin. And I'll go a little bit into why that's important, but both are important. Both are very useful. Now, how does curcumin act in terms of recovery? There's many different avenues and pathways that curcumin acts on in the body. Um, one of the ones that I find most fascinating is the NRF2 pathway, which helps produce more glutathione. And I like to describe glutathione as your body's best vacuum cleaner. Mm -hmm. And if we think of the delicate balance of antioxidants and oxidative stress, or sorry, antioxidants and reactive oxygen species, curcumin helps put it in your favor. So we all live these lives where we're highly, highly stressed uh, because we're ambitious people. And so if you want something to do, sort of support your vacuum a little bit to give you the Dyson, if you will, rather mm -hmm. than the, what's, what's another vacuum cleaner? I don't know. Ooh, uh, yeah. Black and Decker. Something. <laughs> yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Uh, to give you the Dyson quality, curcumin could be a very interesting one. Now I brought up Mariva and Mariva is a patented compound similar to krill oil. And the reason why that's important is because if you buy something with Mariva, um, you can actually go towards the lower priced option. It's not one where you need to buy the highest priced option or the highest priced brand because it's a patented compound and it all comes from the same place. Same thing with magnesium L3 and 8, by the way, which is a patented compound. And so looking at that, you can kind of see that you're constructing from these supplements a way to support lower inflammation and hence recovery. So how do you decrease recovery post-exercise? You can do it through some of these supplements that we've, we've mentioned. Um, maybe we'll release this video, in which case you'll be able to see that I'm beaming a sauna space 
uh, <laughs> red light, and this is an incandescent red light, is my personal favorite into the back of my head. But uh, if we're not going to release it, you guys can imagine that my head is quite warm right now. Incandescent light is not very cool in terms of in terms of heat, that is. It's very cool in terms of trendy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but those are just sort of, I wanted to give you guys just a little sense of the why as to why we use these things. But Satu, any other cool devices that you're using or anything that we should mention before we, we wrap things up here? Mm, I think I've, I've mentioned the cool devices that I use. Maybe there are plenty of them out there, but I'm, I haven't tested them yet. Yeah, I think the the formal idea of this podcast is to give you guys a way to be smarter about your recovery, be smarter about your training, and identify really, rather than taking the Men's Health or Huffington Post recommendation on what is the best exercise amount for you, uh, actually finding out how to do that. And so yeah. the show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash recovery. Satu, thank you for playing. Thank you, Boomer. Superhumans, before you go, if you enjoy the episode, if you enjoy all of our episodes, head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. It would really, really help get the word out on what we're doing here at Decoding Superhuman. Feedback. If you want to give us direct feedback or you want to see us cover a specific topic, whether on the shorter episodes or the longer episodes, head on over to your email and email us at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. For those of you who have sent emails to that address, you know that I respond to every single one. And then lastly, would you like 300 to 500 words of highly curated information on how to upgrade performance? If so, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com slash throwdown and you'll get our next issue of the throwdown, which is our 300 to 500 word highly curated digest, if you will, on what's going on in the field of performance. Enjoy your day, superhumans, and thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's episode.